Who loves social media? Who specifically loves Twitter? As you know, I love Twitter for lots of reasons, but Tracy Mayleaf, aka the InfoSec Sherpa, is a big reason. We connected on Twitter a while back. We then connected on LinkedIn. I made a big ask to have her as a guest, and she said yes. You are going to want to listen. Tracy's story is really fascinating on many levels. Her start as a librarian and then changing to the InfoSec world. The story about finding Twitter lists and helping a client is amazing. We will both be at Osmosis this year, maybe virtually, but it's her first time to Osmosis and she is going to love it. Let's get started. Once again, I am so incredibly excited to have another episode. And today's episode is with Tracy Mayleaf. And I think that we met met, I say that lightly, um, via Twitter first, I followed you on Twitter, and then I reached out to you on LinkedIn. And um, you guys, she's the InfoSec Sherpa. And I love that because I joke that I'm a bit of a Sherpa for my family. Um, <laughs> it, you guys are going to be blown away by the amount of information you get today and how much you love it. So we're going to start quickly with a speed round and then you can give your elevator spit speech which is gonna be like Eiffel Tower tall because you've done so many cool things and you continue to. Okay, are you a Mac or a PC person? PC. Okay, ooh, interesting, okay. Um, now this question, I don't know if you're gonna have an opinion on. Who makes a better embezzler, a woman or a man? Better in what sense, to get better, away with it? Yeah, or yeah, getting, a, oh, getting away with it. Let's do it with getting away with it. Um, I, I don't think that matters. I don't think gender matters for okay. that. Oh, interesting. Okay. Do you have a famous cop or crook that you would like to go out to dinner or happy hour or coffee with? Oh boy. Uh, lately I'd have to say Frank Abagnale because I want to find out if he's really just a charlatan or not. Ooh, have you read that book? Uh, I, I have a couple, I have at least one of his books that I haven't read yet, but I've seen a lot of articles lately that are calling his experiences into question. Uh, I'm going to send you a link and I'll put it in the show notes of the book that calls it into question and it's fascinating. Okay. Yeah. So I think off the top of my head for speed round, I'd say him because I'd want to, yeah, really press him on some of that, that stuff. Yeah. That is awesome. That is awesome. Okay. And then the finals, and it's not really the speed round. What is the best money you have spent professionally? Mm. Uh, professional headshots. Ooh, like that. Okay. Like that. Um, and so Tracy, give your, give your elevator speech or we, you said it earlier and um, before the show, but I just, I love how you had to make an elevator speech. Oh, <laughs> so yes. My, so my, my tale is that I was a librarian for 15 years. I have a master's degree in library and information science from the University of Pittsburgh. And I decided in 2014 that I needed to do something else with my career, but I didn't know what that was. Um, and I was just getting very sad and depressed that I felt like my library career wasn't really going anywhere. I had kind of done a lot of stuff <laughs> in library world and I just thought I can't coast on this. Uh, I just didn't feel like I could 
I could stay where I was and do the same thing for, you know, until retirement. So I used to cry on the train <laughs> and I was just so sad. And I started trying to read to take my mind off of my, my sadness. And I was reading this article uh, that was in Entrepreneur Magazine. And the title of the article was How to Future Proof Your Career in 2015. Now I've gone back and found that article and it still is valid today. So I don't even know why they, they put a year on it, but uh, they gave some tips of how to figure out how to future proof your career. And one of the tips they gave was pick something, an aspect of all your past jobs, all your past careers, and see if there is a single thread that you can weave through all of them, any similar threads. And I thought about it and I realized for me it was tech. Anything tech related is something that really interested me, really excited me, uh, whether it was when I was a librarian or, uh, you know, or as a travel agent, which was, you know, another career, uh, it was tech. So that's when I decided to make 2015 the year of my career. And I was serious. January 1st, I sat down, I redid my resume, redid my LinkedIn. But the first step I took was I went on three interviews for library jobs. Now you might be thinking, but you just declared it the year of your career. What are you doing? I wanted to be absolutely sure that I was ready to step away from that industry, from that career, because I'd spent so much time in it. I didn't want to make, I didn't, I didn't want to pull, like push forward and then constantly be thinking about regrets or questioning my decision. So that's why I applied for some library jobs. I went on three interviews. After each interview, I just thought this is more of the same. And then I got out of my system and then I was able to forge ahead. So I spent January, 2015, just looking at other library jobs and then realized, okay, I'm good to move on. <laughs> so uh, I started going to tech meetups and uh, reading up on tech stories. I, I made a very librarian approach to it. I set up a lot of Google news alerts uh, to, for with different tech terms, but I just, I still didn't feel like that was my niche. I was going, the meetups I was going to was a lot of developers, front end engineers, things like that. Nothing, you know, against those folks, but that just wasn't really resonating with me. And I kept running into people who, you know, thought they had the next Facebook idea and only wanted to talk to you for as long as they could to find out if you had any money to invest, <laughs> really. So it was, it, it was just a very weird scene for me. And somebody I know who was in tech for a long time uh, watched me spin my wheels and finally said, you know, hey, I think, you know, I want to talk to you about backend, the backend world and cybersecurity. I think you'd like it. I think you'd be good at it. So I kind of shifted focus and started following those news items and those groups and those meetups. And everything really just clicked and resonated with me. And I, you know, I have this joke that I say is, you know, I had the realization that my natural paranoia and distrust of things was a career path. So I just kind of went, you know, went for it and took cybersecurity fundamentals classes and even approached the CIO of the law firm where I worked. I was a law firm librarian. And I asked what the firm was doing for Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And you know he was unfamiliar with that. So I had this whole proposal that I sent him and he approved it. He said, okay, we're doing this, you're running it. And I ran basically a security awareness program for the month. 
And when I asked what else I could do, he said I could do it again next year, which on the one hand, you know, was great. But on the other hand, I was like, no, like I can't go back to library life now. Like I want to be in information security. So that's when I started my exit strategy and figured out, you know, how, like how I could make, you know, make a career pivot. And then I was in my 40s. Oh, I'm still in my 40s. But I was, you know, I was to give people context. I mean, yes, I was making a major life changing career change in my 40s, which some people think is unheard of, especially in uh, being a woman in tech. Um, but it's possible, you know, or a tech field, it's possible I did it. Um, so I guess, oh, sorry, this has been my elevator pitch. This is more, <laughs> sorry, this is more like the world's longest escalator pitch. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but this is my nutshell uh, background story. So uh, yeah, I, I up and I quit my job January, 2016, started my own business, uh, joined a group that we have in common, AIIP, which I'm blanking now what it stands for, but you can <laughs> Association of Independent Information Professionals, I think. That's it. I was, there we go. Um, and in my mind though, creating my own business was just a catalyst to get me into a full-time InfoSec job, which I know a lot of people had said to me, well, then your business is gonna fail because you're not thinking long-term, but to me, it made sense. I'm like, I just need to make money now because what I really want to do is in information security. So I used my skills. And this is where the elevator, the actual elevator pitch comes in, is I was trying to get a job in InfoSec and not a lot of people, but a few people would be very perplexed when I would say that I was a librarian getting into InfoSec because they couldn't understand how those skill sets went together because perhaps they envisioned me as telling, you know, children, reading them a story or something like that. So I had to, I would have to explain, no, I was a law firm librarian. I did a lot of research. And to be honest, in the information security community, I really rarely had to explain that. Um, a lot of times when I just said that I was, was a librarian at a law firm, they got it immediately. Their response would be, oh, so you know how to find expletive, <laughs> you, know, you know, and, uh, <laughs> I was like, yes, you get it. Like, that's exactly what I what I do. I know how to find expletive. Uh, so yeah, it just kind of grew from there. So I did a lot of, you know, personal branding and advocating for myself and networking. And yeah, having a little elevator pitch of, you know, yes, I have a master's degree in library and information science. I know information organization. I know how to do research. You know, I know how to talk to difficult people, attorneys. Um, <laughs> and I also did other things, you know, like dealing with, um, with, with vendors and contracts and things like that. So I felt like I had all this, this stuff to offer InfoSec. And I mean, people might say that I was brave. Maybe I was foolish. I don't know. But I just showed up at these InfoSec conferences and was like, hey, here I am. I want to be a part of this, and I think I have all these skills to offer. And I had my business for about a year and a half before I was able to actually get an InfoSec job. And I really don't think in the grand scheme of things, a year and a half is that long. Uh, so I feel like it was a very quick transition because I, I worked very hard. And to study, there was a lot of tech I had to catch up on. So yeah, I was studying tech. I didn't have any tech background. 
Uh, but I had all these other skills that I could offer. And when I went on an interview, I was told we can teach you the tech. We just can't, we can't teach a tech person all these other skills that you have. And I was like, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so that's, that's the story of my, of my career transition. And yeah, I had to be prepared to on, on the fly, explain my skills, explain how they fit in, help connect the dots for people. And some people I talk to don't want to do that. Like, oh, well, they should just understand. And I don't mean librarians. I mean, just anybody trying, you know, trying to get into InfoSec. They're not willing to give an elevator pitch about themselves. And that I don't understand that. Like, because then they're not going to understand your value. Sometimes you have to tell people what your value is because, you know, you know, maybe they just don't know or they're not creative enough to connect the dots. So sometimes you just need to do that for them. Well, and you've done a really good job branding because I'm going to be very open here. And I was like, okay, I have InfoSec Sherpa coming on, you know, the podcast. And I know you as InfoSec Sherpa. I had to actually go and go, that's <laughs> like, I, I mean, being totally, totally honest here. And there's a couple things to kind of unpack in that. And it's like, so many people have the sunk cost fallacy. You've been a librarian for so many years. Why would you switch? But you're in your early 40s. Why wouldn't you switch? I love that. That's yeah, know. yeah. And I, yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't, you know, hold anything against people who, you know, especially my former coworkers who who stayed at those same law firms, and a lot of them have, and they haven't changed. I've tried very hard to talk other librarians into also moving into InfoSec, and there's a lot of resistance because some folks just want to be a librarian, and that's fine. I'm not judging them, but I, I've also had librarians approach me and say, I want to do what you did. And I'm like, yes, welcome. Come, come to InfoSec. We have brownies. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I'm not here to judge anyone. I just know that I needed something different and I wasn't ready to just settle in uh, to that and that, you know, that type of job for the rest of my career. And I also had people tell me, well, you know, we see you next becoming a library director. And that is not what I wanted. I, and, and just because I, it's more just like people management than anything else. And, you know, you get further away from the work. And I was like, yeah, I just, I don't want that. I just don't want that life. I, I want, I like this InfoSec stuff. I like the cybersecurity stuff. So yeah, and branding was very important. Um, you know, I, I, I used to give talks even when I was a librarian. Uh, about networking and with people and branding and things like that. And I always used to joke, make, and also showing my age, showing an animal house reference, you know, when the guy would walk around and he'd say his name and rush chairman, damn glad to meet you. And I said, sometimes you have to be like that. Sometimes you just have to go up to people and just introduce yourself, say who you are and, and talk to people. And I know for some that's easier said than done. But what I, I say to address that is, is that, you know, speak public speaking or networking or, so, you know, socializing like this, that's all a skill that can be learned and honed. You know, some people just, and it's just, it's just like art or music or athletics. Some people are just naturally better at it. Everyone else has to work a little harder, but they do work at it. So I try to put it in that context for people of, yes, you can go to this cocktail party, you know, it, you, you can go, 
you may only be able to last 15 minutes, but you can go like, and I'd rather people stay for 15 minutes and meet one person than sit in their hotel room and not meet anyone. So it is a skill that you can learn and hone. And you can also have a wing person. You know, can I, the other example I give is from how I met your mother, you know, when Barney would always say, have you met Ted? You know, I, you have a, have a wing person to help introduce you to people, you know, to make it easier. So, but now I'm going off on a networking yeah, tangent. That, that is awesome. Like, it, I mean, me reaching out to you and asking you to do the favor of being a guest on this. It's like, if, if I can't reach out to people to have people be guests on great women and fraud, like, you know, and I love doing it. Whereas, you know, I'm going to say a family member of mine would rather stick needles in their head than do that. And everyone, that's how I became a special agent. I picked up the phone. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you kind of have to do it. But I love the fact that if you're not great at doing, find a wingman, wingwoman mm -hmm. to be able to do this. So that's awesome. Um, so I think how you came into my little sphere of, you know, <laughs> is Twitter. And we talked yes. before. Um, you have 37,000 followers. I am so incredibly like Twitter envious. Um, and I love Twitter and people think I'm crazy that I love Twitter and I love it for lots of different reasons, but I want you to go into your whole Twitterness because oh. yeah, you, you are really good at Twitterness. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, well, I joined Twitter. I, okay. So funny story. I believe that I joined Twitter in 2006 when they started, but my, so my original account is Library Sherpa. That's how, that's, that was my first brand was Library Sherpa. Um, and I, I, my husband and I used Twitter like it was met a, like a texting platform. <laughs> I would at him, ask him what he wanted to do for dinner. He would, you know, at back at me, you know, I don't know, what do you want to do? Because back in the day, it was like the wild, wild west. Like Twitter was just, it was just, if you think it was, it's bonkers now, it was bonkers then because people didn't really know what to do with it. So it was, uh, it was just a lot more chaos, what I recall. Um, and I'm pretty certain and it, that I joined in 2006. And I think what I did was, I think I stupidly deactivated my account and then reactivated it. Then it put me started in 2007. And I actually emailed Twitter once and been like, I wanted to say 2006 and there, of course I never heard back. They were just like, all right, stop. Um, so, okay. So I do have a funny story about that. So for the longest time with, uh, with Twitter as library Sherpa, I hid my identity because at the time I worked for uh, someone who had very weird ideas about me saying my real name online because, oh, they'll connect you to the law firm. And in hindsight, it just really was unfounded. It was just, it, I won't go there, but it was just, it, it was just really misguided and misunderstood information. Uh, so I kept myself a secret for a long time. And finally I decided, I'm like, I'm tired of this. I'm just going to say, you know, I'm going to come out on Twitter, and so to speak. So I was at a conference. I remember it exactly. It was the Canadian Association of Law Libraries. I don't remember what year it was, but it was in, in Windsor, Ontario. And I was, 
yeah, that's yeah, it was in Windsor. And I that's so long ago that I had it at Blackberry. Actually had a Blackberry and I had had the Blackberry on the podium and I started my speech and I said, you know, hi, my name is Tracy Mayleaf. I'm at, you know, blah blah whatever firm, you know, whatever firm I was at, at the time. And I said, or you may know me online as Library Sherpa. Well, my Blackberry was on buzz and it's just started like shaking the platform and the audible, I will never forget this, the audible gasp that came from the audience like actually made me stop for a second because I did not expect that reaction. But yeah, there was an there was maybe like 300 people there. There was this audible gasp. And then my phone started buzzing and it was people tweeting like, oh, Library Sherpa is Tracy and all this. So uh, that was kind of funny. Yeah, I did not expect, I, I honestly did not expect that reaction. And so, yeah, then just hence a brand was born. And then fast forward to, you know, me making this career change. So yeah, in 2015, I was like, well, I should have a separate account on Twitter so that I could kind of follow these InfoSec folks. And I had to come up with a name. And I just decided the Sherpa thing worked for me, you know, because my tagline is your guide up a mountain of information. And I just named it InfoSec Sherpa. And it just kind of started as a lurker account, but I started to, you know, meet people, you know, follow, you know, follow people started to kind of get in and just took off from there. So that is my Twitter origin story. And yeah, I have found Twitter very useful for research, for networking, for learning. Uh, yes, it can be a, a cesspool at times, <laughs> but I also like to think that I have uh, my own carefully constructed silo that I, you know, I tried to weed out a lot of the negativity and, and the bad stuff, um, you know, through blocking or muting or keyword filtering there. And again, I understand that I'm creating a bubble for myself, uh, but that, you know, I, I'm doing that so that I, I see the material, you know, that I want the professional material that I want to see because I do ultimately use Twitter to keep on top of InfoSec. So I have a funny story about Twitter. Mm -hmm. I won't say where I was working, but <laughs> I was working somewhere. And I had Twitter up because I needed to find out some people and who was following them and blah, blah, blah. And this lawyer comes up behind me who was outside counsel to where I was working. And she's like, what's that? And I was like, what? She's like, what's that? And I'm like, it's a thing called Twitter. And she didn't know what Twitter was. And actually, it's really funny, and this is public information, like, it became part of the lawsuit because they bought Twitter followers, and I was out on a run one day, and I was listening to some Saturday morning podcast about, I think it was Social Baker, and you could see. And so, like, I literally ran back home, and I got on, and I put my three people up there, and sure enough, they bought followers and it ended up being a big deal. But I mean, when you like the whole lawyer thing, they're like, oh, we don't want people to know. Like, I'm going to tell you, a lot of lawyers don't even know that Twitter exists. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. And and actually, the first talk I ever gave to an InfoSec audience I did a lot of deep dive research tips into Twitter. And after I gave my talk, some 
um, I'm saying this tongue in cheek with air quotes that you can't see, but scary hacker dudes um, came up to me after my talk and said, oh, I didn't know Twitter was a website. I thought it was just, you know, an API or an app or, or something. And uh, yeah, so I, yeah, there seems to be, I, I'm not sure so much anymore, but definitely a couple of years ago, there was still a lot of people not sure what it was, but that's fine because I mean, I, I give a lot of talks about social media. Uh, I did when I was a librarian, I kind of do now as InfoSec, but I always say to people for every five social media platforms, you know, there's likely 10 to 15 more that you've never heard of. Um, there are, you know, Taringa is a Latin American sort of Facebook-ish. VK is Russian Facebook you know, air quotes, Russian Facebook, um, you know, there's so many, uh, it, especially because they're homegrown, because they're, they're non-English language sites. So there's, there's so much that, you know, we all, we're all familiar kind of with the big ones, but there's so many more out there that people don't even know exist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason I love podcasts is because I get that sort of information. And I will say, so you're working at Krebs Stamos right now. Yes. And I know Stom. I, I know Stamos. I know Stamos <laughs> from the Pivot podcast with Kara Swisher. I wouldn't mm -hmm. have known. Just, but it's that, yeah. And the hearing there's a new, um, uh, a new platform, and uh, it sounds like Grinder. It's not Grinder. It's something, but it's for like conservative sort of things. And I heard about um, it on the podcast better, or no, it's not that. I don't know. Oh, I know which one you're. I uh, I probably blocked it out, but yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Do you, well, do you remember Peach? Peach was oh. a social media platform for like a hot second, oh, and no. uh, it doesn't exist anymore. But it was called Peach, and I was on it just to, yeah, I wanted to get in on it because I thought, oh, like, here's another one to get in on early. I have to look it up. I don't even know <laughs> when it was around. Um, but yeah, there was one called Peach. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, 2016, it was introduced. And I think it lasted, I really feel like it lasted like two weeks. <laughs> I think. It may have been around a little bit longer, but it felt like two weeks and then it was gone. And I think it was heavily emoji based. I think that was their, their twist. Oh, wow. Well, was, yeah. yeah. So anywho, but yeah, look at on your spare time, look up Peach Social Network and you'll see that's that. Yeah. Oh, that's so for everyone that you know about, there's, you know, there's all kinds that are no longer with us or, you know, once existed or things like that. So, yep. Well, yeah. So, um, so you, we talked also before about Twitter, about using like the native site and using Twitter yeah. to research. So you want to give like a couple of hot tips about Twitter for research? Sure. Um, now keep in mind, every, if, it, no matter it never fails whenever I do talks about Twitter, they always change whatever uh, search that I'm talking about. <laughs> so um, this has happened to me more than once that literally then like the night before I'm to give my talk, then there's announcement of like, we're sunsetting this, <laughs> this tool. So, uh, so I think people know this already. I think this is knowledge, but uh, common knowledge in order to find Twitter lists, you need to search on Google 
for Twitter lists, you can no longer search for lists. Now this is, I think they got rid of this in 2012, so it's been a while, but you can do some Google dorking uh, for a search to find lists. Like, you know, use like the in URL command yeah. and things like that um, to find Twitter lists. Uh, listen, I think that's pretty much common knowledge. I don't know, but uh, I can share. So speaking of Twitter lists, I can share the, uh, the, the trick that I did when I was a freelancer that blew the client's mind. Uh, so this client approached me and it was a, you know, a cybersecurity company who shall not be named, wanted to know who their competitor, who also shall not be named. And now these are both two smaller companies. They wanted to know who their competitor had as clients, but they didn't want me to spend any money to do the research. They were going to pay my time. Does this sound familiar to, <laughs> to freelancers? Yeah. Uh, so, the, I mean, they were going to pay me for my time, but I couldn't spend any money on any resources to get this information because, you know, there's tons of marketing companies that have this information already. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm not going to give away all my secret sauce, but I, I did a couple things and found you know, found some, some clients to, to round up for them. Um, and so finally I was, I was like, well, I feel like I'm not giving them enough. And, you know, as a professional, I wanted to make sure I gave everything. And all of a sudden I had the brainstorm and I thought, what if I go to the targets, Twitter uh, and just social media, but specifically Twitter account and look at their lists. What's the chance that this target has lists that have their their clients them they not only had one list they had three lists on the target's account and they now lists can be public or private and obviously because i could see them they made them public there was literally a list that said clients <laughs> on it so yeah, they had, and they had two others. I forget they were called like one of them was some sort of like party invitations or something. So one, oh, one was clients, one was prospective clients and one was something about like party invitations or something, which could also fall into like people they were looking at. So not only did I screenshot the heck out of everything, but uh, you know, you can't really download that, but yeah, I, I did everything that I could to save the links, but I, the screenshots were important because as soon as somebody wised up and made those private, then they were gone. So yeah. I spent a lot of time screen capping everything and then just, you know, typing that out and stuff. And yeah, and I gave it to the client who was paying me and yet yeah, they thought I was a, a freaking genius. They like, they, they thought I was a magician genius and I mean, I had to laugh because part of me thought I was like, yeah, that really wasn't that difficult. But on the other hand, I'm going to, I was just, I was just lucky. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Right. Because what were the chances that they had these public lists? So I love to tell the story because, you know, one social media can uh, tell you where a lot of bodies are buried, uh, you know, based on even interactions, you know, there's a command that if you wanted to see if two companies have ever talked to talked to each other, air quotes, on Twitter, you can do two colon one Twitter handle space, you know, uh, from colon and another handle, and that will show you tweets between two entities. So whether it's two people or two companies, um, 
usually when two companies go back and forth, it's usually like, you know, Wendy's and Steakums do it, having some fun. But I remember I worked for law firms. So if they wanted to know if two people had any prior contact, if you knew their handles, you could, you know, go to, to search that. And again, it's not foolproof because if people have private accounts and whatnot, but if people leave their accounts open, or again, or for their companies, which, you know, they wouldn't necessarily have a private account, you can find a lot of information that way. So yeah, that's the the one story that I love to tell is just look at the lists, you know, look at the list and they, somebody did not make those private and they very much should have made this private. <laughs> well, and this goes to what we talked about before is the, the um, networking with humans and diversity. Mm-hmm. So I loved what you said about all the factors of the diversity. It's not your typical DEI. So oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think networking with people, again, is a, is a phenomenal skill to have. And it's crucial, not just for your professional career, but also just for your personal life. Because some of these people may develop into friends, not just professional acquaintances. But I think what a lot of people, I think one of the biggest myths about researching is people think, like people don't think to reach out to other humans for for questions. I mean, sometimes getting an answer is as simple as just calling somewhere. Um, I can't give any details, but I can very vaguely say uh, one time I was working on a problem in my past career and I had to find out if uh, if a certain company was appearing at a certain location. Um, I'm trying to be as vague as possible. (laughs) Uh, So I called the location to ask a question about the event and was able to get answers just, you know, not, I wasn't really even lying or anything. It was just, oh, is this event still happening today? And, you know, then I got the answer. So you know, things like that, just picking up, right? Because everyone else I knew around me was trying to look things up <laughs> online. And I, so I'm sitting here going, let me just call the place <laughs> and ask that. So, uh, or another time, actually a better example of where networking comes in is uh, this was when I was a law firm librarian. One of the the higher level attorneys sat down with me and my, my manager, who was the library director, and said, we're opening an office in this city in the Middle East, and we need to build a library from scratch, you know, that which includes the legal materials for that region. And that wasn't an area of expertise for me. Uh, so my quick thinking, uh, I, I said, oh, well, can you tell me if there are other law firms already in that city? And he said, oh, yeah. And he rattled off a couple law firms. And inside my head, I'm going, I know someone there. I know someone there. I know someone there. So I reached out and these were all people that I had met through professional networking through my library association. So I reached out to a bunch of them, you know, all at once and just said, Hey, can any of you help me with this? You know, I'm sending it to all of you so you can see. So reply all so that you're not all separately working on this. And the first person who got back to me said, Oh, as a matter of fact, my manager set up our law firm's office in that Middle Eastern city. Let me go talk to her. And maybe like 15 minutes later, I'm getting a PDF emailed to me with their entire collection and said, oh yeah, she said you can have it, just build off of that. 
And that was purely through networking. So of course, the attorney and my manager, again, thought I was this magician, genius. And it was all because of networking, because as he was rattling off law firms, I was like, yep, no someone there, no someone there, no someone there. Uh, but, but networking too, it needs to be, your networking needs to be diverse. And I don't mean you know, just, just race or heritage or anything like that. Um, that's good too. But, you know, a, you know, age is one too. have, pe have people in your network who are older than you, who, that are younger than you, who are in different countries, even different industries. Um, you know, knowing someone in an industry different than yours, you can learn some things. You can learn some tips and tricks of how they troubleshoot. You know, one of the favorite things I love to do when I was a librarian was go to the annual conferences and sit in on those sessions with librarians from, you know, chemical companies or petroleum companies, something very different than a law firm, because I wanted to see how they troubleshooted, because there was likely tips and tricks that I could learn for that. So when I tell people you need to have a you know, diverse professional network, it means a lot of things. It means you know, very many different things. And you know, ideally your professional network should mostly not look like you. It should be very, you know, it should be represent, representation of so many different variables because that makes you smarter, makes you stronger. And then it also makes them stronger and smarter because then hopefully they also have a diverse network. So I, I firmly believe in that, that, that that's a model for success. Oh, absolutely. And again, like this audience is, it's all about connecting. So, you know, sometimes I will have like an open source intelligence person. Cynthia Hetherington was my first guest who is a librarian. And, and we had this fun little conversation that we said in advance that I would never not vote for a library bond. And you had a great story about you walked into a place oh. <laughs> asked someone who was there on the ballot, you know, did you, how'd you vote on the library? And they said against it. And you're like, yeah, vote gone. I mean, there are so many different ways and not to, like, I don't want to say the skin, the cat, but you know, there's different ways of peeling the onion mm -hmm. and, and, and to have different ways and perspectives and just asking people, I mean, I did a podcast a week ago and it turns out there are two women in Minneapolis and I know these two guys and I know they will immediately hit it off. So I connected them. I don't think they would have been connected mm -hmm. otherwise, but you know, you see these sort of connections and um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. So kind of to close it out and because I think you're going to have a lot of really good answers to this. Um, just <laughs> okay. I can kind of, you're a huge news consumer, huge, huge news consumer. And I'm going to link to all of Tracy's stuff. Um, are you binging anything that helps you with your job? I'm thinking 24, Homeland. <laughs> Bid, oh, bi binge watching on on tv you mean yeah. well when it comes to watching tv i honestly prefer not to watch anything work related to be honest because i need some sort of release <laughs> for for that i mean right now i love ted lasso oh my gosh a lot yeah because i also oh. i i cheer for the so one of the the soccer team that i i cheer for was in one of the the episodes so that was that was exciting um I don't know. I mean, I do watch the news. I am, I, well, I guess I do binge watch the news. I do watch the news a lot. 
Uh, just a quick funny story. Now, also, when I was a librarian at certain times, that also was my job to be on top of the news. So I was lethal at trivia night, especially when it dealt with current events. Um, so much, in fact, that one time my husband and I were at a trivia night with a bunch of people that we knew. And I was just slaughtering people. And finally, my husband's like, maybe you shouldn't play because you do because because people kept saying, like, how do you know all this stuff? And and I was just being coy. And he was he let the cat out of the bag. He's like, this is what she does for a living. <laughs> so um, I was like, why did you have to say that? But uh, yeah, when I do watch a lot of a lot of news and kind of always have. Um, and yeah, it can you can that can be a lethal combination at trivia if it's if it's current event questions. Um, I mean, I remember one time in high school, uh, I guess it was every Friday, we the teacher would play trivia with us. And one time it was literally me versus the rest of the class. Uh, and I still won. Oh, my God. I love that. Yeah. Because I, all, I mean, I was a dorky high schooler and yeah, I watched the news a lot and I I remember one of the questions and the, the trivia was all, like a lot of current events. It was so, it was social studies class. So it was a lot of social studies trivia and then also current events. And the one question I remember that I won on when it was me against everyone, it was something about this branch of the armed service debuted a, a new statue in Washington, D.C. this week. And I remember from watching the news, it was the Navy. It was uh, some naval statue. And even my even my teacher was like, how do you know that? And my answer was it was on CNN. Like I remember watching the unveiling on CNN. So, um, yeah. So, the, yeah, I guess I do watch the news a lot. I have not seen Homeland. Um, I have I did watch 24 when it was on. Um, yeah, the, a lot of those things kind of make my mind turn turn too much. So. Yeah, um, I mean, I yeah, I love um, oh, what uh, what we do in the shadows. Ooh, that's uh, it's it actually it comes back on September second, which I'm very excited about. Um, it's on it's on FX. It's about these vampires living in Staten Island. Ooh, there's a movie called by the same name that's uh, from New Zealand, and then they made an adaptation. The movie's very funny too. Um, then they made this TV adaptation. So. Yeah, but um, and also, unlike most infosec people, I'm not into sci-fi and fantasy and things like that. So I do try to pepper my talks with Dungeons and Dragons comments, but I don't know what I'm saying. So, oh my God, uh, that's so funny. Yeah, so I yeah, I don't know Star Wars. I probably know Star Trek better than Star Wars, but I'm even not like a huge Star. I'm not that much of a Star Trek person. I wouldn't be good at Star Trek trivia. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Well, Ted Lasso, I have been telling everyone and I just, it's so positive. Like, and then, you know, my husband played soccer, my son played soccer. I just, it is, I, I can't stop talking about Ted Lasso. So I love that you're watching Ted Lasso. Oh yeah. And it's, it's really well, I like things that are well-written. Uh, there's, I usually, my husband, and I usually have to watch Ted Lasso twice because we're either laughing too hard and miss things or some of the comments are just so subtle or they're just references that are so obscure that you have to like think about it. So yeah, we basically watched an episode twice to, uh, I think the Christmas one that was just on, oh. I think we watched that three times because it was so, just because it was so good. Uh, but yeah, I, I, 
I don't know. I do like the news, but lately, yeah, this week's it's been a little too heavy. So I've been trying to, you know, that's when I'll throw on like a rerun of 30 Rock or something. Oh my gosh. Well, Tracy, I can't thank you enough. And I want to have you back because like we just hit just <laughs> kind of the teeniest yeah. portions and you are just filled. And Tracy is going to be at Osmosis, which, you know, you guys know I love Osmosis. Um, so yeah, this is just, thank you for having, or for oh. coming on. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. And I also will be the, uh, opening keynote speaker for the virtual version of the Texas Cyber Summit, which Ooh. is sometime in October, which I will give you so that you can post. Um, yeah, yeah the Texas Cyber Summit is doing an in-person conference and also online, and they have two full separate lineups for that and uh as much as i love san antonio i'm not ready to do that sort of travel because i want to be safe so i am going to be the opening keynote for the virtual version and that i invite awesome. you all to come texas cyber summit oh that is awesome thank you thanks so much for having me did you love tracy's story i sure did the path to infosec was very well worth it Tracy is the epitome of a professional in all aspects of her career. Be sure to check out Tracy on Twitter, her Medium blog, and the Diana Initiative, all in the show notes. Up next week is Cheryl Obermiller. She is the author of Fraud Points. She is a victim of a large pink-collar crime and has not only recovered but thrived. It is truly an episode for not only great women in fraud, but any business owner to listen to. Have a great week and see you next week.